0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: The Huns thundered into
0: the stadium, fresh from
1: a quadruplicate of gladiatorial triumphs, thirsting to avenge a decennium and a half of futility and battle on the shores of the three rivers. Unfortunately, disaster awaited and the vanquished Huns were escorted unceremoniously from the arena, lying lifeless on their shields. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All Americans Network. It's October nineteenth, twenty twenty. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios in Washington D.C. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. The Steelers defeat the Browns thirty-eight to seven and sit atop the AFC North alone, sharing a five and zero record with only the Seahawks and the Titans. And, Nicholas, I will bet you with 100% certainty that only two teams, at best, will remain undefeated after next week since the Steelers traveled to Tennessee to play the Titans. You want to take that bet?
0: I'll take that bet, and I'm going to take it to bet online, baby. Listen up. Football is in full effect. You know why? The Steelmen cannot be beaten so far. The wait is finally over. We got some normalcy. We got some real action. We got a bettable team here talking about the Steelers. And we got another bettable team talking about the Browns because surely they'll have at least one more big game to choke in for the rest of the year. Woo! Little boys. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be on the action of Bet Online. They're going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more wager options than any other place online. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, ching! Your online sportsbook experts.
1: You know how on those Sundays where the Steelers do not win, how we feel like, boy, I really wish I would have had the four hours back mm. on a glorious Sunday afternoon when I could have been outside raking the leaves. Yeah, was that not a satisfying way to spend a Sunday yesterday?
0: Well, it was incredibly satisfying. I agree, and I. I you're talking about those Sundays when Steelers, when they don't win. I, I can't remember. When was the last time that happened? Like a year, maybe like a year ago almost or something like that? I can't remember because regardless, they seem to win on every Sunday or Monday that they're playing in on right now. 5-0 and start, first one I think since 1978 where they went back-to-back on Super Bowls. It's looking great. They get an incredible battle coming up against uh, Patient Zero. The Tennessee Titans, the Tennessee Cheaters. Okay, here's something that we drew a funny parallel during the, um, during the game this past week. So Cleveland went out there. Kareem Hunt last week in the news said, this one's for miles, baby. This one is for miles, isn't it? This one's for miles, Cleveland. I know it's mostly Pittsburgh people listening here, but if you have any Cleveland fans, send them a link to this podcast. This one was for you, Miles. This had your name all over it. Thirty-eight to seven miles. I know you guys had a fun time when the substitute teacher was in. You take advantage of the teacher, Mrs. Ru- Mr. Rudolph, Mr. Hodges. Could- actually, couldn't take advantage of Mr. Hodges. Mr. Hodges disciplined you, just nice. But Daddy's back. Oh, Daddy's back. Daddy's home, and he brought the switch. That's right. And Baker's butt is beat red, baby. to How do you like that? This one's for miles. Kareem Hunt said, this one's for miles. He had his season taken away last year. Nobody likes to have their season taken away. I know that I didn't like it when my season got taken away, which I found to be some brilliant phrasing uh, suggesting that his season was taken away. Uh, because uh, he kicked a girl who was sitting on the ground. I kicked a teenage girl, and they took my season away? So it shows me he still doesn't get it, which is hilarious. The Tennessee Titans still have this uh, feeling. You know, they uh, trounced a very good Buffalo Bills team about a week ago on the heels of having to delay their games and stealing the, uh, the Steelers by week because they got COVID and then practiced illegally on some high school fields and they said after they beat the Bills that they heard all the disrespect on their name throughout the week, and they used it as motivation. to again, we all reply, what disrespect? This is a completely uh, uninterpretable situation. You broke the rules. You're risking everyone getting COVID. You're risking the NFL season. There's no hate here. You just did that. Why don't you just swallow the pill? But they were able to transform that into motivation. And I guess the Browns thought that they would be able to motivate themselves, but the problem is, and I realized this last year, You awoke a sleeping giant. The Steelers don't lose to the Browns. And I think that that's the theme of the game. Big brother trounces little brother. Daddy's back. Ben's in the driver's seat. But you could have come in under the radar. Listen, they're 4-1 this year. So, of course, teams are taking them seriously, but at the end of the day, how serious can you take a team that hasn't won in Pittsburgh in now 17 years? If the Miles Garrett thing hadn't happened, you might have had the element of surprise, but you did not have the element of surprise. The Steelers were ready for you. They were ready for the retaliation, and they put you back in their place. And I think that that's one of the biggest themes of the game is just the big brother, little brother uh, dynamic. It happens. Hey, unfortunately... Patriots have been the Steelers' big brother for the past 20 years. It happens. No matter how ready you are, it's just hard to beat certain teams. I think this whole game, it goes back to a couple things. I mean, number one, the Steelers' defensive line, defensive front, uh, the Browns are just not prepared to deal with that. But it really goes back to the Minka pick six. First off, the Steelers had a great opening drive in which they pounded the rock. James Conner was extremely physical. They weren't able to finish in the red zone, but hey, at least they got some points. Not in the red zone, in the end zone. At least they got some points. At least they extended their, what, 29-game streak of no touchdowns in the opening drive. But they did go down, look good, and, well, from a running perspective, assert their will, get a field goal, and then the pick six happens. And I just have to think, I don't know, what do you think? At that point, you're the Cleveland Browns. You go, oh, my goodness, here we go again.
1: It did feel like that. I was more worried that the Steelers weren't going to capitalize on it. I've seen these fast starts. I mean, we get a quick start. I mean, we never score a touchdown on the first drive, but you get a play like that. And it seems like the Steelers put the sleeper hold on for the remainder of the first half. But that really didn't happen in this game. We had, well, 13 possessions, but two of those were, were kneel downs at the end of the halves. Sure. But uh, scored on half of them and— um yeah, I was really gratified with production. Can I go back to the Miles Garrett issue? Sure. I'm really... I, I was really bugged. I mean, you and I were kidding around, and I was surmising that maybe Miles and Mason would get together on the field and, mm-hmm. and hug it out or shake hands or something. But Miles Garrett goes over to Mike Tomlin, and they're all smiles, and Miles puts his arm around Mike's shoulders, and it seemed like they were a little giddy. That really bothers me. I mean, not that you need to hold a grudge forever, but for come on, man, it's that wasn't just competition that was criminal last year bygones shouldn't be got bygones that soon after something like that happened
0: i would think that maybe that's a mike tomlin technique honestly like he's just getting under their skin in more ways than one i find it hilarious that the steelers literally this is the proper application of literally literally trolled the browns with their game plan by putting mason rudolph in at the end of the game so i wouldn't be surprised if that was some gamesmanship from tomlin
1: Fair enough. So,
0: first theme of the game, the... Um... It's the big brother thing is, is where it really starts. To me, it all was just the Steelers asserted their will on the first drive, so you're sort of thinking, okay, it's clunky, these RPOs. We'll talk about the RPOs later. Remove them. Please remove them. They're an interception for a touchdown waiting to happen every single time they run it. They don't work. But they were trying to do that. But either way, the Steelers gave Connor the ball and just marched down the field, and you're thinking, okay, they're not really an They might be scoring a lot of points, but they're not an offensive team this year, and they didn't seem to have too much trouble moving the ball downfield. Then you throw that pick six to the the forgotten superstar this year, right? People trying to talk crap about Minka because teams are avoiding him. And, yeah, we even said last week you'd like to see him make a splash play, but you can't say he's playing bad when you look at the full tape. He's playing well. He's doing his job. But then the star, Steelers Defender, gets a pick six, And you realize, oh, there's those black and gold uniforms. Oh, there's the sun shining down on those yellow seats and the banks of the Three Rivers. And we've been here before, and we'll be here again, baby. We're going to be here every time we come here. And I just think at that point, the demons took them. But then from a more technical standpoint, I think we were agreeing the second theme of the game was this might have been the first great game, the first complete game from the defense. They were overwhelming.
1: Yeah, you know what? The only time... And I wasn't concerned because the game is pretty much over by this point. But when um, – Case Keenum? Unfortunately. Hmm? I
0: thought you were going to say when yeah, Case Keenum – Yeah, Case Keenum,
1: Keenum had a little ball of fire. But, he, I mean, he just was attacking the middle of the field. But by that time um, – Prevent. Yeah. Well, Devin Bush had gone down and he was out. So I think there was a combination of Devin Bush not being there and, and prevent defense. But, again, it just gave me some PTSD because we've seen that before the middle of the field was – there for any opponents taking. But other than that, you're just wondering,
0: isn't there a mercy rule? Yeah, and there shouldn't be because we should be allowed to beat the Browns by 50 next time. So we we lasted this long into the show without, uh, you know, mentioning the Devin Bush injury. And and football just sucks this way sometimes because even when you win, you lose. And so you lose a star player. Yes, he has been a little bit more quiet than the other players have been this year you know compared to bud and tj and cam and Tuit and everybody and minka but he's been having a great season and the coaches actually reflected that before the game there were some reports that came out on twitter just talking about you know bush a lot of people say he's kind of like the second most important person on the defense behind cam of course a lot of us are saying well sort of leaving out the defensive player of the year candidate out in tj but i understand what they mean because uh you know tj's out there on an island actually not so much they did some interesting things moving him around but cam you know anchors that whole middle of the defense he's a captain and same with uh uh, bush who's calling on the signals and apparently has taken leaps and bounds from year one to year two in that category and he's not doing what shazier did where shazier just flashed every play i mean he would take the ball from the other team but he was doing a phenomenal job covering tight ends especially compared to last year and he's cleaning up trash he's hitting a, at least one blitz for a loss every single game and he was playing great and it's just depressing to see a guy go down like that and especially a young guy whose career is still very much on the upswing and looking very good and now he gets a year of development taken away from him he gets a Super Bowl run taken away from him listen I know we're going to lose a lot of people next year here at steelers outpost we're not saying it's it's definitively doom and gloom but I mean, hey, look at this team right now. They're 5-0. and This is a great opportunity, and it sucks for Bush not to be a part of that. And then as Steelers fans, yeah, you worry. You lose a star player. That's not, uh, that's not ideal. But I do think the Steelers will over- be able to overcome it because they have so many other good players. Uh, Spillane spilled in, uh, filled in, spilled in nicely for Bush. He's a hard hitter. He's not going to be carrying many tight ends. They're going to have to figure something out. I wouldn't be surprised if they've found somebody to sign or trade for by the time this podcast comes out. But, you know, I think uh, our buddy Derek DeKid mentioned it on Twitter today. Like, the problem is those signings generally have not yielded great results with Wilcox and Brandon Boykin and Switzer and some of these other people who didn't pan out. But it, uh, that is, of course, a Paul cast over the game is the loss of Devin Bush.
1: Well, we can take a look at some of the flexing of the defensive muscles. The The Browns were held one for 12 on third down. They tried for fourth down on, on three times, and especially that last time that they tried for fourth down mm-hmm. and were just stuffed in the backfield. It, it was just endemic of what we saw the entire game.
0: Yeah, oh for 3 on fourth down. I mean, they lost yards every time they tried to run the ball. And that last fourth down was my favorite because I was telling you while we were watching, I really don't want them to get into double digits. I want this to hold. This is like when they would kill pirates and hang them outside of the harbor so that other pirates knew not to come in here and try this. 38 to 7 is that. You know, 38 to 10 or 38 to 14, pretty embarrassing, but 38 to 7 is just chef's kiss. So I was really glad they stopped them on that last one. It all starts with the run game for Cleveland. I mean, I said this before the season, I was happy when they hired Kevin Stefanski. He was the quarterback's coach in, in, Minnesota for 10 years. And then he was finally the offensive coordinator, his final year in Minnesota where they, they had a good offensive attack, but really if you watched it, it really seemed more due to Gary Kubiak's influence, who was an assistant offensive coordinator there. So you have to understand Gary Kubiak, John Elway's old backup quarterback, a.k.a. Mike Shanahan, coaching tree, Kyle Shanahan, coaching tree. We've talked about Shanahan and McVay before. They have a zone running scheme where that's why any running back that plays for these guys gets 1,000 yards because they're so good at scheming the run game. And all of their pass game, it comes from the run game. Which is to say, it's a lot of play action, and then when you get that great run to the right going, you eventually bootleg it out to the left, and a lot of like just wide open receivers because of the misdirection created from this run game is really helpful, and so that's what it's all based off. They don't; none of those guys actually have like much of a drop back pass game, except for Shanahan, who we saw him do it with Matt Ryan in that Falcons team. But with Stefanski, I thought that he had the simplest of all of these schemes when I saw them in Minnesota. I mean, I used to watch a bunch of the Minnesota games when he was there, and I felt like they had four plays. And so when he came to Cleveland, I said, thank God it's him and not some you know, creative Sean Payton disciple Andy Reid guy because I think the Steelers traditionally do well against teams that try to do one thing really well. And they, they do poorly against the Saints and the Patriots and the teams that can spread you out with that pass game, which takes advantage of the Steelers' religious devotion to man, to zone coverage, right? So I think that that kind of came to fruition, that predictability with the run game on Sunday. The Steelers, if they know you're going to try and run, they're going to take it away. And I don't think it would have made much of a difference if, if Nick Chubb played because – they completely shut that run game down. And if you shut that run game down, the, the Browns can't pocket pass. And ba- Baker Mayfield can't pocket pass. And when you watch the replays, there are plenty of them going around on Twitter today. Look at, you know, not Mark Schlereth. Uh, who's the funny guy? Baldinger, look, I'm sure he'll have some up. Jeff Schwartz already has one up. The Steelers' line pushes the Cleveland line backwards on almost every single play, and then if you take that away from the Browns, that's it. It's game over. They can't do anything, and that was proven to be true on Sunday.
1: Obviously, opposition, the opposition respects the Steelers' run-stop defense, because we ranked number one in terms of the number of rushing plays against us, um, which kind of exposed our secondary. There was a high percentage of, we were ranked number one in terms of the number of pass plays.
0: So that's to say like, teams... Barely run against the Steelers. It can be a little misleading because you're saying they rank number one in the least rush. Attention. Barely run against them, so they yeah. the teams barely run against the Steelers because they know they can't, and they pass a lot against the Steelers, which they'll probably do a lot more now that Bush is out. Is that what you're saying? Got what
1: it. What he said. But it does make teams one dimensional, yeah. right? You take
0: away the rush. Well, here's the big thing, and this is why I was thrilled. I put out this tweet before the game saying that I really hope Keith Butler stops blitzing so much. We talked about that last week. The Steelers were blitzing on in a whopping 50% of plays. I think the second-place team in terms of blitzing was at, like, 29%. I mean, it was absurd how much the Steelers are blitzing. And they were getting some confirmation bias because, in a lot of ways, it was working. You're getting tons of sacks. You're getting turnovers. But we said Jeff – Driscoll tore us up. Carson Wentz tore us up. And people are wide open because the secondary still needs time to gel. No secondary in the entire NFL has done well this year. So you can't even point to the Ravens or the Patriots and say it's working. It's just hard to operate a zone coverage scheme, which the Steelers do, without reps. And so you you, you know they're just leaving people open all over the place. And I, I don't know what the numbers would say in terms of the blitz percentage against Cleveland. They definitely blitzed. But it seems like they let the front four just cook a little bit more. The Steelers shouldn't need to blitz when you have Hayward to it, Watt, and Dupree rushing. And then and Alulu behind them. So I feel like the Steelers were more disciplined with that. And then you get to put more people back in coverage. So that really shuts down that uh, you know, the the, the passing counter, if you will. Kind of wrapping up the the overall themes of that defense is like. I mean, the defensive line was incredible. I thought that they were much more disciplined, not calling an overabundance of blitzes, and, and the secondary made some plays. Hayden had a couple great breakups on third down. Obviously, we saw Minka's play. But I think the next theme of the game kind of snowballs from that, which is that maybe the Browns aren't that great. I mean, they got mauled, and especially in terms of their offensive line, who I know has good players. But offensive line, I mean, there's no argument that it there. It's just on the tape. They get blown backwards every play, and they don't exactly have a complicated system where they're sitting there thinking about their blocks. They're just getting crushed by men who are bigger and stronger, which also shows you this. I said this year the Chiefs have an interesting problem. They don't seem to be able to get up for teams where it's not a marquee matchup. We've seen the Chiefs. They haven't, they've only played one good game against the, the Ravens, and then other than that, they're just kind of cruising. Maybe the Steelers have a little bit of an element of that to their game as well. I know that's not breaking news because we talk about Tomlin playing down to the level of the competition. But I think the Steelers' defensive line was psyched for this game. And no offensive line in the entire NFL should be able to block to it Hayward, Dupree, and Watt. And so I know that the Browns have some good players on that offensive line. But they just got absolutely exposed. And I think yesterday was my first real taste of what's up with Baker. Because Baker has real talent. He can move. You saw him avoid some sacks. He throws well. He has power. He has accuracy. He's got a great spin on the ball. He has a quick release. But man, he makes some boneheaded decisions if his first read isn't there. I mean, the interceptions were terrible. I mean, not being able to anticipate Minka there, that was brutal. And then the other one where he escapes out of a sack and then he just goes full Josh Allen mode, but without Josh Allen's arm. He's running backwards. 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage, third and long, and lobs a ball towards the sideline that Sutton easily picks off. I mean, it was a nice jump and a nice catch, but, I mean, what are you doing? You just lost your mind there. So I think the Steelers really exposed Cleveland in a lot of ways with their inadequacies as far as, hey, if we take away your run game, what are you going to do? And the answer is nothing.
1: Yeah, the six interceptions so far. Well, let's look and see who the Browns played before. I mean, they they lost their first game to Baltimore by virtually the same score, thirty-eight to six. They beat Washington,
0: Dallas, um, the Bengals, and yeah. the Cowboys, and, so the, and one, the Indianapolis. I guess Colts. quality win was Indianapolis. Yeah, and they have a right? good defensive front, so that was why we were a little bit more nervous going into this game. But it does sort of show you. I thought there was some hype for the Colts last week that I did not buy. I think the Colts and the Browns are those teams that are on the tier below the elite teams of the AFC. Yes, if the Chiefs and the Colts are, if the Chiefs, excuse me, and the Ravens are playing their best, they're probably at the very top of that list because both of those teams have good offenses and good defenses, and they have prime of their career super freak mvp quarterbacks so i mean come on that's the way the game's built those guys are really on the top but below them right below them it's gonna be the Steelers and you know the bills and then we'll see about the titans we'll see about the titans uh this coming week and i just don't think that the browns really are quite ready enough to play with those real big boys but i think they'll still probably make the playoffs because seven teams are gonna make it and uh Anyways, you get a lot of people in there. But that would be my second theme is that they just didn't seem ready for primetime that way.
1: How much does Odell Beckham Jr. look like a tall version of AB <laughs> coming, starting to adopt the same attitude with the, he didn't knock over a water cooler on the side, but it looked like he was ready. To. And he
0: should. Because I've always been a huge Odell fan. I think Odell is probably the most talented receiver I've ever seen. And football fans – you shouldn't have to watch him in a poop color jersey, okay? That's just—this is like the most stylish guy we've seen in the NFL, and you've got a turd uniform on. That's just wrong in the first place. Second off, you're wasting the prime of this guy's career. You know, for as bad as Eli was and for as much crap as everyone talked about him, at least he got the ball to Odell. I mean, Baker—I mean, this is—there's uh, there's no excuse for this. I mean, we saw A.B. get the full game plan of every team for every year, and he was never stopped. Odell shouldn't be able to be stopped. And we saw his game against the Cowboys where he had some major big touchdowns to show us, like, yeah, he's fully healthy. He wasn't fully healthy last year. He's fully healthy. He's the same guy, and he's being wasted over there. And that's frustrating if you play wide receiver, but... Yeah, it was nice to see him get frustrated there at the end, and he talked to Ben after the game, and I'm saying, like, hey, come play for the veteran minimum. You'll get a lot of endorsements on Pittsburgh, right? Come on. Come back. Come to Pittsburgh. Just kidding. We have an army of wide receivers. We're good. But, yeah, same old Browns. That would be theme number two for me or theme number three, depending on how we look at this thing.
1: So the offense continuing to churn, and the Steelers rank number five in terms of points per game with 31.
0: How? How? It's so ugly. It just keeps working. I think, well, what did they, they didn't really, they scored three points on the first three or four or five drives. When did they score their next points? I mean, it was clunky to begin with. So I still have problems with this offense, and I still have incredible excitement about this offense. Because if if you're this clunky, they can't figure out what they want to do. Do we run first? Do we pass first? Are we ever going to pass long? Oh, every time we pass long, it works out. But then we don't come back to it. Like, they can't decide what they're doing, although I do hope that they decide to ditch the RPOs because that was terrifying at the beginning of the game. Listen, first off, I don't think Ben, you know, everybody here probably knows we RPO is the word of the past three years. But, you know, when Ben has the option to hand it to the running back and shotgun or throw the quick slant, usually to the left, that's the RPO. He's not good at it. But this is one of the greatest athletes. This is the greatest athlete that's ever, uh, you know, blessed God's green earth. You don't need to... <laughs> We don't need to waste time deciding whether to run or to pass it. That's a bunch of crap. All of those passes should have been pick sixth. I mean, it is just too tight. It's not Ben's strength. It's not Feetner's strength. They're not drawing up, you know, beautiful plays for that or anything. And it just is a waste of time to me. So the RPO thing's weird. But I'll say, some, I'll say this. Holy crap, There's so many good players on the offense. I mean, Dotson... Who's the steal of the draft? Is it Dotson or is it Claypool? Because whatever the steal of the draft is, it's a stealer. These guys, like, there's points where he looks like the best Steeler's offensive lineman. And we know that Claypool is the best skill player right now by a lot. I mean, this dude's a star. So his long catch down the sideline, that was glorious. That might have been my favorite play of the whole game because we need to see Ben hit a couple of those. To just to know that, hey... When we play Kansas City or we play Baltimore, it it might be a shootout. When we play Seattle in the Super Bowl, you're going to need to put up some points through the air or take advantage of their secondaries. Ben's arm looks the same as it always has. The receivers, we've seen Claypool, Juju, Deontay, and Washington, and Ebron. We've seen all of those guys have success down the field with Mason Rudolph or Matt Stafford or Andrew Luck or with Ben himself. So we know that they can do it but I just need to see it a few times before I have faith that the Steelers can win that shootout that they're eventually going to get in. So when Claypool caught that gorgeous throw down the sideline, you know, it just harkened back to what we said in the draft. Like, this guy isn't just... This isn't Martavis. This is a big, fast guy who also has a level of coordination that's really impressive to track the ball over his outside shoulder, keep his toes, and make that catch. But the play that was even more impressive is it's like when the Steelers need to to win the game in the fourth quarter, they go to one guy. They go to Chase Claypool. Whether it was the reverse against the Giants in the first week, that's what they did to ice the game, or you know they've done that a couple times with him. And then they threw him the little hitch route or the screen, basically at the end of this game. He gets the ball in the open field, and you know he's one-on-one. That's what stars do. Like, he's going to make a miss, and he did, and goes and gets the first down. The Steelers are able to take up the clock. It is so... It's just an abundance of riches. I thought this was James Conner's best game. I mean, he was there weren't a ton of holes, and he was picking his way through them and fighting for extra yards, and the Steelers just have so many weapons. Juju's nowhere to be seen, not in the game plan, right? He's not complaining, which is incredible. He's clearly the leader of the, the, the offensive room, besides Ben and Pouncey. Deontay Johnson... I mean, he's missing this moving train. I'm worried that the, the fibers of the, of the team are you know, suffering a little bit without him and, and he is behind on where his development should be because you know, we still think he could be the co-number one or whatever you want to say with, with Claypool. But you don't even have those guys participating and you're putting up 38 points? Like, the ceiling for this offense is so high. And I know I'm, I'm rambling here, but the last thing I'll say is Give Fiener some credit. Yes, he ran on some second longs. It's, it's always going to happen, and I really hope it doesn't lose us a playoff game, which is what I'm scared of, you know. But his play sequencing, along with Matt Canada, has come a long way. We complained about this last week on the podcast, and we were able to see the result live. Every time you're in a certain situation, the Steelers like to run the same play. So if it's fourth and one or third and one from the goal line, they run the reverse to Claypool. Ben gets under center, they run the reverse, and it has worked every time they've run it this year. But I know the Baltimore Ravens and the Chiefs are going to be aware of that, right? So I said last week on the podcast, you eventually need to fake it to Claypool to make sure that play works. They faked it three times to Claypool this game before running it again on the goal line and getting in the touchdown. So, like, you can run that reverse to him all you want, but you have to have the fake off of it. And I was, I was a proud dad for Feetner, you know, when that happened. And uh, that was really encouraging some of the play sequencing they use. They are now building off of the successful plays, and now, if you're a defense, I don't know if they're going to run the fake to Claypool or if they're going if we're going to overcommit to the claypool, they're just going to jam it right up the gut and that was impressive
1: as long as they don't jam it right up the gut with Benny Snell. I, I like Benny. I think the weight loss that he uh, that yeah. he, he did over the off season helped him. And he can pick out his yards, and he has, you know, he has his moments. He had, um, uh, he had a long of five, but I don't like to see us line up on the goal line and have him try to smash it over. But you know who you did not mention, who is our stealth wide receiver is James Washington. Interesting in that first series that he was the primary target. He was targeted um, three times during that first series. He also had the the touchdown catch that little out and up, that down and out, where he, he, I mean the. Two DBs were just, I don't know why they smashed into each other. It was just, it was like they tried to stop watching. Yeah, a fun story
0: came about that today. Apparently, Josh Dobbs gave the suggestion to Ben on the sideline for that out and up. He'd been seeing them running that out, and the safeties are biting a lot, so he suggested the out and up. So, Josh Dobbs paying dividends since rejoining the Steelers.
1: We got our rocket scientist back, and the evidence shows that it was a good move. But let me just finish up. So, so he and Claypool had virtually; they both had four receptions. Um, Claypool had seventy-four yards. Washington had sixty-eight. And the great thing is, you know, we want to see some long passes. Claypool, you pointed out, had the twenty-six yarder, and Washington had a twenty-eight year old twenty-eight yard touchdown. But those yards aren't big chunker. I mean, these guys are catching a high proportion of their targets, and um, Ben's really spreading the ball around when you look at the, the list of targets. Yeah. So to your point. Loaded with talent, who do you watch on defense? And have they've been watching Juju, I, I think what we need to do is spend a little more time on the All-22 to see what's going on with Juju. I can't believe defense is totally keying on him now and locking him out. Is he part of the game plan? What
0: are you going to do when Deontay gets back? Because clearly Claypool is, I mean, this, it's not hyperbole. Like This guy could legit be a top 10 receiver by the end of the year. I mean, he's just more talented than every other receiver in the league besides Metcalf and, and you know, Hill and Odell and, and those top tier guys. There's just only so many people in the world who are Megatron's exact measurables. They have the same height, weight, speed. I mean, what was Megatron? 4.38 in the 40 and Claypool's 4.42. And, and, and then you see the coordination. That's what I'm saying. Like, catching that hitch and then being able to juke a guy, that's a small guy move the the over-the-shoulder catching, even the way that he followed Jalen Samuels' block on the reverse, he just kind of deked inside a little bit, went back outside. I mean, it's insane. And the the best thing is, he has the chemistry with Ben. Like, when Ben throws downfield to him, it is right in position. And Ben had a, the two long passes. I mean, obviously, the, the touchdown to Washington was uncovered. But Washington also had a nice catch on that first drive, that back shoulder catch. Gorgeous throw from Ben. Phenomenal catch from Washington. And What you're seeing from these guys, including the offensive line, including Ben, is you're seeing proof of concept that, like, these guys can play. We're watching them make catches downfield. I just personally need to see two or three more of those per game. I'm not saying they need to change to the killer bees way, but they need to have two or three more of those per game for me to really feel comfortable because I'm seeing the talent is there to be able to go scorched earth if they want to, um, but I really think with the level of talent in the offense and the defense, I mean, they should be, they should be destroying teams. And I'm really excited for this. Uh, I just thought it was yeah the most complete game the Steelers had played so far this year. And, uh, you know, Ben, what, 161 yards? He called it a Bill Cower game after the game, you know, saying like I think they ran like 24 times in the second half. And Ben was good. Uh, but look, those stats tell a story. That's what I'm saying. We just need two or three more 20-yarders and 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 150-yarder per game, honestly, because that's that's Ben Roethlisberger. His career is he's amazing at hitting a 50-yard pass. That's his thing. So once we see that, this offense could could be a top 10 unit. And obviously, you maybe they are already. But I think from the eye test, you'd like to see it a little bit more consistent. But it's just hard not to rave about the individual performance of everybody, and I was happy with uh, Randy and Canada's step forward as well.
1: We would like to see more of it, just so that we know we can do it if necessary. I mean, that pass to Claypool, I mean, it was so well yeah. covered. So the pass was, the pass was right there. I mean, no, he. I mean, the fact that Claypool had to reach out for it. It's good to have a six four guy, nice. by the way. He had to reach out for it. He had to run under it. It, that was pinpoint that that says I, I wouldn't say the Ben is back. We need to see a few more of those, sure. but we need to have that available to us in case we need to break the glass and score quickly. But I, I'm equally happy winning.
0: No, you're right. I, I, you know, we talk about you win or you lose, but you watch how you play in those games. And I agree 100 percent with what you just said. It's like we need the proof of concept. We need to see that they can do it because, you know, they're going to need it at some point. And you're right. That throw pinpoint i mean a blade of grass like you could have put a blade of grass on on claypool's finger and ben could have hit that you know and when you're talking about blades of grass you need to make sure that you have the right equipment to trim said grass and the field was looking excellent at heinz field and you better make sure that your field is looking right and luckily manscaped has got that under control for you the manscaped lawnmower 3.0 is the future of men's below the belt grooming It's a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. This is critical. Clean yourself up. And I just got to tell you, this stuff is sleek. You can use it in the shower. You can use it in the dark. It's got a light on it. And it's just got some sort of technology. I think an alien invented it and gave it down to us. Hey, thank you for Ben Roethlisberger's highlights. Here is technology to not nick yourself while you shave below the belt. And that's what they've employed there. So they got a ton of other things that you can use. They got bombs. they got anti-chafing cream, uh, scents, so on and so forth. Very useful stuff. I use Manscaped myself, swear by it, and in fact, swear by it so hard that I'll tell you right now, listeners, get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code armchair. It's time to grab 2020. by the horns by shaving that front trunk.
1: So we have a couple of challenges coming up in the next two weeks. Tennessee, and then I think the game that's going to tell us everything two weeks after that, the Baltimore Ravens. Do we, we parlay? parlay?
0: We're winning them both, and we're parlaying at bet online. Football is in effect. The Steelmen are 5-0, and if they beat the Titans and the Ravens, the whole world will be shaken onto its head. The steel men are on their way. Take your bet. Bet on them. Stand by your people, and do it at Bet Online, because they have the best game spreads, totals, team, player, and coaching props in the business. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online, and they support our podcast and all of the Armchair All Americans podcasts. So head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, ching your online sports book experts.
1: No pun intended, but Baltimore and Steelers are the titans of defense in defensive terms of defensive scoring. Baltimore leads the league by, about, by a point more than the Steelers, who are in second place. But interestingly, the Steelers rank second in terms of oppositional yards per right. game. Baltimore is about 50 yards behind, and they're ranked 10th. I mean, it, 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 at a certain level, the only thing that matters is whether you're getting scored on and whether your offense can store, yeah. score. That's going to be a real test. What do you think that game will come down to?
0: Well, yeah, yeah, it is a little early to look forward to that, but I, you know, the Devin Bush injury is big because their whole offense is predicated off of throwing to Mark Andrews. I mean, obviously it's predicated off of Lamar and all those running backs getting the run going, but what that builds is these big shots to Mark Andrews and, and their tight ends. So the Steelers are really going to have to figure that out. They have done well against Lamar in the past. Lamar is going to make his plays. Um, So I think, you know, that is what it is. And then the Ravens are going to have the best defensive game plan the Steelers have faced uh, to that point. But we can't look past the Titans. Obviously not. They're the only other unbeaten team in the AFC. And besides the Seahawks, the only other unbeaten team in the NFL. And here's why I think the Steelers are going to beat the Titans. And full disclosure here, everybody, we forgot to make our game picks at the end of last week. I was going to pick... The Browns. I'm, I have a fear. Maybe it's my bias towards Odell, but I just think that the Browns had an identity coming into this game, and the Steelers had a ton of talent but struggled with the identity. You know, the, the pass defense getting emasculated, not being able to figure out the offense. It just seemed like a, a weird formula. And I have to say, this is one of my most enjoyable regular season victories in history because I have never seen a fan base talk the amount of crap that Cleveland has talked. So it was really beautiful uh, pounding them into the dirt. But with the Titans, and I've said this since the preseason, I, I think this, the Steelers have a good matchup against the Titans. The Titans also have an identity. They were weirdly strengthened by the COVID thing. Their own breaking of the rules led to that famous football us-against-the-world mentality, and, and Vrabel does such a phenomenal job with the personality of that team. I think everybody has realized uh, Tannehill is not okay. He's a very good quarterback. I mean, he throws a beautiful ball, he's very accurate, he can throw deep, he can throw short, he can run, and he's huge, which is a you know, a, a thing that a quarterback needs. But I'll say it a million times more. The teams that really scare me as a Steelers fan are teams with electric spread passing offenses, because that really takes advantage of the Steelers' zone defense and kind of random blitz uh, <laughs> tendencies. Those teams, the Saints, the Patriots, it always just seemed like it was a futile endeavor against those teams for the Steelers for the last 20 years where the Steelers have actually run a very similar defense the entire time, right? When you're talking about a power run team, I don't get as worried because the the uh, Titans are a better version of the Browns. They are built off of running and then play-actioning and getting it deep. They have more they can do. They're a more confident team. They're a better coach team, but... When it comes to their defense, it's very solid, but they don't have any stars. I know Jadavian Clowney's on the team, but we all know that he's a bit of an up-and-down player. Any, any day, though, he could wreck a game. Other than that, they don't have any superstar game-wrecker players, and that makes me feel good about the Steelers' chances against that defense. On offense, Derrick Henry is so much fun to watch. He's amazing. But P. Butch, who we need to have back on the podcast, by the way, him and I were talking earlier. He's a weird running back. He's obviously one of the best running backs in the league, but for a guy who's so gigantic, he's not really like a power back. You know, the bus, you had uh, Marshawn Lynch, even like a Mark Ingram and people like that, they'll pound the ball in the line of scrimmage. But uh, Derek Henry's so tall that it takes him a minute to get ahead of steam. The thing is when he gets ahead of steam, he's literally as fast as almost anybody in the league. And once he gets past five yards, you can't take him down. So that's why he has so many 90-yard and 50-yard plays. He had a 94-yard touchdown in regulation, 200 yards rushing. And then in overtime, he catches a screen pass. They don't get to him quick enough. He goes 54 yards. So if they get a good screen on the Steelers, I'm nervous about him. But otherwise, the Steelers, when they know where you're going, they're going to do well. And Bush is out, so that sucks. But so is Taylor Luan, the star tackle for the uh, Titans, who also tore his ACL last week. That's bad news for the Titans, because whether you're getting Bud or TJ, the Steelers are going to be able to take advantage. I don't think that the offensive scheme is diverse enough. I don't think that their defense has given up a lot of big plays throughout the season so far. Steelers need to take advantage of this. This is a good opportunity for them to further the big play capability. And I think the Steelers are going to win a close game because the Titans are awesome. But the final straw is the motivation thing again. Miles Garrett motivation helped the Steelers this week. The Steelers players were pissed about losing the bye. They were tweeting about it. And the Titans made them lose the bye. The Steelers are going to be ready. They're going to be pissed off. I don't think they're going to look past them to Baltimore. I think that they usually would. We've seen them do that in the past. The Titans is a huge game. This is for, like, first place in the NFL, essentially. And I think the Steelers are going to be able to come out on top. And I would predict uh, 30 to maybe 20. 20, I'm going to say, yeah, it's going to be... Maybe 27-24 Steelers in this game.
1: Wow, write that down. Do you think, although we'd like to see him as MVP of some other contest, that Ben could be the comeback player of the year? Well,
0: if Alex Smith doesn't swoop in and take it, I mean, Alex Smith's leg fell off and he's still playing. But otherwise, you know, Ben would be the guy.
1: Okay, twenty. what did you say? 27-24?
0: Yeah, I'm saying 27-24, maybe even 27-20. to 20, But How that's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking. Because I think 27-24, I think it'll be close. Are they going to be able to score that many points on the Steelers? I don't know. That's, that's tough. But it's been done before, and, and we'll see what happens. But I, I think the Steelers are ready for this game. So hopefully they, they pull it home.
1: Okay, we've got to watch out next week uh, for the injuries. DeCastro, who was out. Johnson's out. Pouncy
0: was hobbling a lot during the game and he was out at the end. So we got to come out. Pouncy,
1: yeah, still questionable. And Mike Hilton um, had a shoulder stinger, I guess, who is questionable. Oh, he's, he's playing. Nobody Stealers.
0: can take him out of the game. He'll play well.
1: Let's one. hope. So visit right. the website, SteelersOutpost.com. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost or shoot us an email at Steelers Outpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.
2: Unbelievable! When
0: you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging
0: over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences.